Welcome to episode 29 of the Zay Coleman Podcast. Today we'll be talking about six recent moves that happened to run in the NBA. First move we're talking about is DeAndre Jordan and Rajon Rondo going to the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't want to talk about it, but it's something we got to talk about because it's recent news. DeAndre washed Rondo can provide something. He could be a good playmaker, halfway decent defender, okay shooter. Yeah, even below average shooter. Neither of these moves really help the Lakers, if we're being honest, because the Lakers are already stacked for no reason whatsoever. No reason for them to be this good or this this loaded name value. Name value. Like you look at it, te- you look at five years ago, and you think of a team of Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis. You'd automatically pencil that team in as a championship team. But let's be real here. None of these dudes coexist. None, no two players, except for maybe LeBron and AD, can really coexist like that. Like if they had just brought most of the team they had last year, most. I mean, I would have had. You know, I would have probably still released Gasol if we're being honest, or traded Gasol. Somebody had. Somebody had to be gone to to fill in that big man, uh, the bat that big man role. I don't know who it would have been. I probably wouldn't have penciled DeAndre Jordan to be that big man, if we're being honest. But that's just where we ended at. Now, again, you know, bringing back Rajon, I don't hate it. You know, as a non-biased NBA fan, not a terrible move. And, again, it wouldn't be as bad of a move, or it wouldn't be, yeah, it wouldn't be as bad of a move, in my opinion, if they didn't already stockpile so many needless signings this offseason. Like, they didn't need a Malik Monk. They didn't need a Kendrick Nunn. They didn't need, you know, Trevor Reza, per se. If we're being honest, they didn't need Melo. Melo and Trevor Reza coming to the Lakers are 150% LeBron James moves. Those weren't Lakers front office moves. Those were LeBron James moves. And again, do whatever you need to to, you know, to make your star player happy. But in the same time, you completely mortgaged away your future by letting Alex Caruso walk, trading Kyle Kuzma for Russell Westbrook, who doesn't fit on this team whatsoever. You know, you let you let some key pieces go. Montrez Harrell was not a terrible big man for the Lakers last year. Sure, you can't shoot, but neither could Andre Drummond or Marcus Gasol, if we're being honest. Neither of them were were good shooters. And, and bringing in Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan, you're not asking them to space the floor out. So why was Montrezl Harrell a negative for the Lakers? He brought the defensive intensity that so few people on that team did. It was an okay rebounder for a six-seven center, like. I don't, I don't understand. What does Montrezl Harrell do, not do, that DeAndre Jordan will do for the Los Angeles Lakers? He got waived for a reason, or traded specifically to get waived for a reason, because nobody was interested in DeAndre. Nobody wanted DeAndre Jordan. Brooklyn, after year, Brooklyn brought in DeAndre Jordan solely to keep Kyrie, solely to bring in Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan, and you can't tell me differently. Is ridiculous, bro. DeAndre Jordan got four years, forty million just for being Kevin Durant's best friend. 
I want you to, to pencil that in. Be, uh, DeAndre Jordan has already passed his prime. Got four years, 40 million because he's Kevin Durant's best friend. Let that one sink in real quick. He played terrible for Brooklyn the one year he did. Didn't even get to finish the season because he was injured. And then by the time he came back in the playoffs, Nico Claxton had already stolen his minute. They were playing Blake Griffin 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. Like, it's not that DeAndre Jordan sucks. And it's it 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 boggles my mind how much traction this DeAndre Jordan signing got when it first happened. But like the Lakers didn't look at a Dwayne Dedman, a big that can shoot and actually move his feet on defense. Or, you know, a Gorgie Jane on in, you know, early in the front office. Cause again, those aren't LeBron's best friends, that's why. And I don't want to make this a LeBron thing because LeBron genuinely is the one of the top three player in this league. Well, if he's the best, I won't argue out. This won't be an argument on this pay, uh, channel or in this, you know, on this, you know, you know, on this podcast. At least not in the f- near future, I should say. But you can tell that bringing in six guys over the age of thirty-five. Well, I guess. Five and then Wayne Ellington will be 35 eventually. Like, you can't tell me that isn't Deion, uh, that isn't very much influenced by LeBron James. Signing DeAndre Jordan, signing Dwight Howard, you know, they had Marcus all for the longest. Bringing in Melo, Trevor Reza, Wayne Ellington, like, those are Le- those are moves specifically to tally next to LeBron James in the locker room. And again, no, there's genuinely no, uh, like I, I don't you know I, there's no problem with having a LeBron James right there, or you know having a LeBron James influence who you bring in, or Anthony Davis influence who bring like. Does Anthony Davis want Dwight Howard on the team? No, because Anthony Davis wants to run center. Or wants to run power forward. Or, or, yeah, no. Anthony Davis, I should say, should run center. He wants to run power forward. But he, in all honesty, needs to run center because he's not that good of a shooter to be just roaming the you know perimeter as a four. And he will play a lot of center minutes. Dwight Howard isn't playing 30 minutes a game. Neither is DeAndre Jordan. Neither is Trevor Ariza. Neither is, you know, Costa's on it. I genuinely can't name another big on this roster. I'm going to be real with you. Like, this, this team stresses me out only because they have so much star power at the top three. And four, if you count Melo. And the other 12 people on this roster, no two... People in that, you know, in that, as the role players on this team, can really coexist. Like, Lakers don't have another guard outside of maybe Rondo that can run, pick, and roll like that as a playmaker. Score, Kendrick Nunn can probably score, but I don't trust him as a playmaker off the bench to want to run a pick and roll with Dwight Howard for 15, 20 minutes a game or DeAndre Jordan 15, 20 minutes a game. I just don't see it in this team and if you know if they're 
35, 36 being run out the gym by Phoenix and Denver and Utah and, you know, the Clippers and teams like that. I don't see this Lakers team going far. I just named four teams that have a genuine advantage over the Lakers most nights that they will play each other, especially come playoff time when 35, 36-year-old DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard, they might not be able to handle guarding Nikola Jokic in the playoffs or guarding, you know, DeAndre Ayton in the playoffs. Or, you know, if you're running West Westbrook, Ellington, LeBron, AD, and Howard, or I guess playoffs would probably be a reason in AD. Nobody's guarding, like, Devin Booker in the playoffs unless you want to put Westbrook on Booker. But then who's guarding CP? CP3 is torquing everybody. Same with Utah. You can put whoever you want on Donovan Mitchell, but we're not going to act like Mike Conley wouldn't score a dub in the playoffs against L.A. All they need is for him to have one excellent game, and Utah's or L.A. is done for. Like, this team is very vulnerable. You look at their top four, and you say, hey, that's, that team could be a, a contender. But I don't see how the Lakers are feasibly better, at least, you know, on, on the court. I can't see how they're feasibly better now than they were a year ago coming off the championship. Like, letting Alex Caruso walk was genuinely their worst move yet in this LeBron James experiment. Because, A, Caruso was a LeBron guy. Let's not be let's not beat around the bush there. Caruso was a LeBron guy. They LeBron loved Alex Caruso. And it boggles my mind. Why, and especially on the price tag that he was on. Nine million a year. You mean to tell me LA didn't have the bird right to bring him in for nine million? Sometimes somehow I find cap in that. I really find that that couldn't be further from the truth. LA had the money they spent on Trey, uh, sorry, Trevor Ariza and Malik Monk. That could have been money to go on Alex Caruso. I'm just saying. Anyway, so next move to talk about. The Brooklyn Nets got two really good big men. And I say really good as in good, really good role players. Um, this is in 2014. Paul Millsap's not a really good all-star type power forward anymore. But I do love the Paul Millsap pickup and bringing back LaMarcus Aldridge. Because LaMarcus is not going to start. I know it. They're going to run Kyrie, Harden, Joe, KD, Blake. Yikes. Who boy, that defense is going to be atrocious. But, yeah, Lamarcus Aldridge is a solid scorer off the bench. Paul Millsap being a defender off the bench. And even when he, he'll probably start at the five at some point this year, probably even in playoff time. He'll probably be get, he'll probably get the Giannis assignment if they ever match up with the Bucks, Or the Ben Simmons assignment if he matches up with Philly. But, man. Brooklyn, if, again, I point this similar to the Lakers. You look at this team in, like, 2016, and, like, it's one of the best teams you'll ever come across. Like, PKD, Harden, Kyrie, Blake, DeAndre, LaMarcus. Or, sorry, not DeAndre, but uh, Paul, uh, LaMarcus, even a Joe Harris. You, he doesn't, <laughs> Joe probably doesn't start if this is 2016, to be honest, because Joe was just a second-round pick. This team would rule. But now you look at them in 2021, going into 2022. I don't like this team as much as I would like to because 
their defense got significantly worse. Like, they lost it. They lost a really good defender in Jeff Green and a really good shooter in Jeff Green, mind you, and also lost uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, who, again, it was mostly because of a, a salary issue that they didn't bring him in as opposed to a talent thing. But Jeff Green wasn't commanding that much on the market. What he got from Denver, that wasn't more of an over, overpay, if we're being honest. Yeah, which isn't, honestly, because it was about $5 million a year. So, yeah, Brooklyn easily could have got $5 million out of Joe, out of Jeff. I, I understand that they spent the uh, the mid-level on Patty Mills, which, you know, Patty Mills is a really good pickup for Brooklyn. But, again, there's another guy that doesn't play defense in a, amongst a team of guys who don't play defense. And that's going to be their backfire by the playoffs on because, again, you look at the top six teams in the East. We'll just run them down. That's not the Brooklyn Nets, I should say. Top six. Philly's up there. Milwaukee's up there. Atlanta's probably up there. New York is probably up there. Chicago is probably up there. And Miami. Miami is the other team that's also up there, probably. You look at the, all of those teams. Except for maybe Philly. And honestly, you could say Philly too, because Tobias Harris. They have multiple guys that can really score like crazy. Atlanta, Trey, and I guess Kevin Herter did burn Philly in game seven. And even John Collins. John Collins is, is don't sleep. Once he he got paid now, so he he's he's motivated now. You know, even DeAndre Hunter. He, DeAndre Hunter's an underrated scorer, too. That Atlanta team is feisty. And I think that team could really surprise the Brooklyn Nets if they, if, you know, if push comes to shove, they actually meet in the first round or in the second round of the playoffs. Milwaukee. Milwaukee just proved that they have multiple guys that Brooklyn cannot stop. Cough, cough, Chris Middleton. And it ended up costing Brooklyn. You look at the Knicks. Derrick Rose Somehow, Pete Derrick Rose again, minus the dunks. Julius Randle is still a 2010 big man. While he did underperform in the playoffs, it was his first playoffs. Like, you you, you know, the playoffs is different for a guy like Julius Randle, who I guess you can consider him a veteran now, had never played in the playoffs up to that point because he had been on those sorry Lakers teams. And then once, you know, they waived him or basically waived his rights for LeBron, he went to New Orleans, and AD once AD requested a trade, was putting up the emptiest stat in NBA history. More empty than Devin Booker's, more em- empty than current Colin Sexton. He was putting up empty stats in New Orleans. And then once he gets, gets to New York, that first year, you're wondering, is Julius Randle, have a, is a, is Julius Randle a fit in the NBA currently? And then his second year in New York, you just give him a halfway competent roster, and all of a sudden that he's like an all-star. It wasn't really that difficult. He puts up the same similar numbers that he did in New Orleans, and they win. They're a fifth seed in the the Knicks were a fifth seed. That's ridiculous to think about. Then the New York Knicks were went from lottery to I don't even remember who they... Oh, they picked up Obi Toppin, who didn't play for them. And all of a sudden, they're a severe playoff team. 
And you know why? Because Julius Randle elevated his game. They picked up Derrick Rose basically for free. They picked up Alec Burks in the offseason, which was an excellent pickup because he was that guy in game one of the playoffs with him and basically got them that – or got them – they got them a game in in the garden. They got them game – was it two in the garden? I forgot which game Trey Young shushed the garden. I'm pretty sure it was game two. No, it was game one. Sorry, it was game one. And then New York won game two, I think. I don't remember. The playoffs was so long ago, it feels like. Especially the first round. The first game of the first round. That was, what, May? This, that feels like forever ago. But, yeah. Uh, back to, the, again, the Knicks have a few guys. Like score. They just brought in Evan Fournier solely for his scoring. They have, you know, Obi Toppin, who will take another step. Emmanuel quickly. That's basically all he does is score the ball. You look at, you know, oh, I completely skipped another team with two really elite young scorers, and that's Boston. I get, I get Brooklyn beat Boston, but let's be real. Boston got better, and Brooklyn got worse. I don't see how many times Jason Tatum will get switched or Kyrie Irving will get switched on to Jason Tatum, and Jason Tatum will go to work, and Jeff Green being the help defender. I don't see that same thing happening with Blake Griffin being in that, in that rotation as opposed to Jeff Green or uh, Nico Claxton. Because I doubt Nico, they give Nico Claxton the run he deserves. I highly doubt that. So when push comes to shove, this next team won't be as good as that we thought they would be going going into last season when we all thought, oh, this team might win a championship. And then they get James Harden, oh, this team's definitely going to win a championship. And then they get shut down by the Brooklyn or by the Milwaukee Bucks, who, let's be honest. <laughs> It was Chris Middleton and Giannis. That was their their two man game for about twenty straight minutes in a game in game seven, I think it was. Game six or game seven. Twenty straight minutes. That was a two man game in of Giannis and Chris Middleton. And it and they just dogged Brooklyn. Like, you know, Drew Holiday hit his threes when he needed to. But Lord, it was mostly Chris Middleton hitting mid-range jumpers and Giannis bullying their smaller guys in the paint. Because for some reason you switch Blake Griffin on Giannis and all of a sudden Giannis get goes into, you know, X Games mode. It's crazy out here, man. It is crazy. I know I spent way too much talk time talking about Brooklyn because you know, I talk about how their defense is terrible when, you know, you brought in Paul Millsap, who at this point is only defense. But next one, Philly, Ben Simmons requests a trade. Why is this just coming out? You should have requested your trade two years ago, but now you have zero right to request a trade. It wasn't Philly's fault that Philly lost. It was Ben Simmons. I don't want to be the one the player blame around here. I really don't because I know those players do a hundred million times better at anything in basketball ever compared to me, who at most played on my freshman team in high school. But let's not beat around the bush that Ben Simmons was the reason that Philly lost. If Philly, if Ben Simmons has one double-digit scoring game. One. They win. If he has three, 
they look intimidating, intimidating going against Milwaukee. While Ben Simmons also played the defense of a lifetime when Trey Young. It still wasn't enough because he gave you five points. And every he there was three games in that conference finals where he didn't attempt a shot in the fourth quarter. Widely recognized as the second best player on your team. And it's not like he fouled out. He, he, played, he was in the game for every single one of those games. Five, sorry, three games, zero shot attempts. In another game, he shot. He had a shot attempt and didn't score. The most I think he had in the quarter was in the fourth quarter was six, and that was like game one, I think it was. But like you can't do that. He's matched up with probably I guess with Atlanta it would probably be Kevin Herter. It doesn't matter. You're taller than every single person in that starting lineup except for John Collins, who isn't playing the perimeter or isn't playing you because he's matched up with Joel Embiid. It is ridiculous that people, that Ben Simmons can't take advantage of the fact that he's 6'10 as a point guard. A 6'10 point, you are, you are dunking over Trey Young, Kevin Herter, and DeAndre Hunter. For three quarters, well, I guess not really as much DeAndre Hunter more Bogdanovich, but three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, you couldn't just finish the job. That's all we ask. And this Philly team is built. You look at this team on paper, Ben Simmons' game style, Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. That's a team built for a championship. No no cap. That is a team built for a championship. You look at that bench, Shake Milton, he can score. While the 83 overall in 2K is... Yeah, it's a little much, but I'm sure that's been patched. Um, Andre Drummond, I guess last year was what? Dwight Howard off the bench as a big man? That was a solid move as a big man. Matisse Thibel, genuinely one of the best defensive players in the league and is only re- uh, unreliable because he has zero offensive game whatsoever. And that is okay. You look at, you know, Tyrese Maxey, who played very well as a rookie last year. Mike Scott, he would just come in and shoot threes. That's all you need Mike Scott to do. He can play defense, but you just need him to shoot threes because you have Dwight Howard, you have Matisse Eibel, and you have Tyrese Maxey, all who can play really good defense. This team is built for a championship, but they're out here losing to the Hawks at home twice. He lost to the Hawks because of Kevin Herter being all of a sudden the best version of Clay Thompson we've ever seen. It's, it's crazy. It is un, honestly unacceptable that they lost to the Hawks. But because if they don't lose to the if they don't lose to the Hawks, they're they they have a viable chance of beating the Bucks because they are one of the better defensive defensive teams in the league. And it's crazy out here to think that. Where were we? Oh yeah, uh, Ben Simmons. The, um, like the Hawks, Philly could have easily beaten Atlanta with a motivated slash focused Ben Simmons. But Ben Simmons, he folded. That no ifs ands or buts about it. He folded. He choked in that in that series. And again, Ben Simmons after he chokes. You know Philly puts him on the trading block. Like six teams are calling for him right now. But Ben Simmons calls in a trade request. As if he has the right to want to leave a situation that was built specifically for him. 
it is crazy that Ben Simmons, as great of a player as he is, is basically holding himself back. And again, for the fourth year in a row, we're being fooled by these workout videos of him shooting threes in an open gym. Cool. Where is that when he, they can go to play the Clippers or whatever? Just a random team. Or maybe, you know, Boston. Because Boston's whole scheme is they're going to let Ben Simmons have whatever, anything he wants outside of the paint. I want to see him shoot those. He's in a similar situation to where Giannis was earlier in his career. Where Giannis was, no, was not taking threes at all. And we were like, if Giannis just developed a jump shot... He's the best player in the league. And Giannis, you know, his jump shot obviously has a long way to go. But he's taking him. He is he is shooting them. Not making them, but he is shooting them. That's all he asked Ben Simmons to do. It's for them to res- for him to respect his own shot. So other people will respect it and it opens up driving lanes for him. Because if you look at Ben Simmons, if he drives, if he drives, teams are collapsing on Ben Simmons, and he's forced to pass it off. But if he's shooting threes, and then teams respect his shot enough, they'll want to have to guard the shot. So, not as many people are collapsing on Ben Simmons when he drops the paint. And he can just float or dunk on top of him because, again, he's 6'10". So, that's my Ben Simmons argument. Next, Boston and Memphis made a trade. And, again, the trade makes zero impact on the NBA whatsoever because the most important thing in this trade is two second-round picks that will be swapped in 2026. In a year where I will be 24, 23 at draft time, 24 by the end of the year. So zero people will care about this pick or the, this trade by the time these picks come up. Because chances are one of the men involved in this trade will be out of the league. Not as a diss to them, but just the reality. Like Chris Dunn isn't going to be in the league at 30. As much as I would, or, you know, probably 32 at that point. As much as I love Chris Nunn, he probably won't be in the league at that point. Carson Edwards' game won't last him 15 years in the league. As much as I would love for him to, it probably won't. Watch O'Hernan Gomez, again, while an excellent pickup for Boston, because that's another shooter on the roster, especially in that front court off the bench. Not necessarily a... One um, pickup that would be memorable two, three years down the line when his contract ends. Like, it's a solid trade to think of now because I love Chris Dunn and I want Chris Dunn to succeed so bad. You can tell by my people that every team should go after video or episode. And Chris Dunn was mentioned a few times. You know, I want him to succeed. Realistically, I just don't see it happening. Same with... Carson Edwards, again, me and my homeboy talk about it a lot. Carson Edwards would be so awesome coming off the bench for any team whatsoever. Lou Williams 2.0 in my opinion. But realistically, nobody's touching Carson Edwards if he's waived by Memphis. 
it's you know it's a good trade to talk about now but won't be remembered anyway down the line last one this is also a personal one because as a pistons fan i wanted to see this person succeed as well just didn't happen but that's dsj dennis smith jr going to portland man portland if portland does eventually sign him to an actual contract right now he's just on a training camp deal but if he's signed to an actual contract watch out man i hope he does sign shine will sign obviously and then shine once he goes to portland or once he becomes a full-time member because portland needs it man they need it sorry i went sorry if that didn't get in go through i wanted i want dsj to succeed when he's in portland man i really do because dsj he has a talent i do think he has the talent he just has to build actual, you know, skill behind that at raw athleticism. He has to build an actual skill. I want him to see a, be him to develop into a playmaker or into an all-around scorer. Get, make, have a role in the NBA. And that's, you know, that's all he needs. Okay, so that will be the end of the podcast. If you missed any the previous 28 episodes of the podcast, go on Spotify, Google Podcasts, right here on Anchor. Till next time. You love me. I love you. Let's love each other. Bye.